Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. We're going to read the Bible together now. I'm going to lead us in that, but it'd be great uh, that I'm not just reading for us, but leading us in reading together. So why don't you open up your Bible, whether that's a physical book or your devices, and uh, we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. So I'll give you a moment just to find that, whether that's, again, flipping to the right page or finding it in the right place on the app. And uh, if you haven't brought any of those things with you, we'll also have it on the screen and for those who are watching at home as well. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to be starting from verse 10 and reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you've known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, good morning. It's often one of life's biggest questions. How do you know if you're on the right path? Many years ago, my sister and I, we went on a skiing holiday together and we were total beginners. Uh, But despite that, we thought, you know what? Let's go up the mountain on our own and see how we can take this on. Uh, We weren't totally crazy. We thought we'd pick a nice beginner's route to take us down the mountain. The problem was, however, when we got about halfway down, we came across a fork in the road and we didn't know which way to go. Which path do we choose? And now, again, we weren't totally crazy, so we thought, well, we'll pick the one that looks the easiest. That makes sense. So we'll go that way. Unfortunately, it didn't take long for the path to get steeper and steeper, the corners to get tighter and tighter, and eventually uh, the ski slope got so steep that all we could do was take off our skis, throw them down the hill, and my sister and I slid down on our backsides to try and get to the bottom of the mountain. It was only once we finally reached the bottom and had a look at the map that we realised when we came to the fork in the road, we had actually turned off and gone down the local Black Diamond club members' run. We had turned off the beginner's route. And I share this story because sometimes life can feel a bit like this. You find yourself facing a fork in the road and you realise, which way do I go? Which path should I choose? How do you know that you're on the right path? Maybe you felt this way in your career when it comes to choosing a job. Did you choose the right job? Did you accept the right offer? 
Or maybe you felt this way in your relationships. You've asked yourself the question, should I marry? Who should I marry? Will we have kids? How many kids should we have? And what about the house? Is the house too big or is the house too small? Should we live closer to the family? Or should we live further away from the family? What about the rent? Are you paying the right rent? Did you get a good interest rate on the mortgage? When it comes to choosing the right path in life, how do you know you've made the right choice? And this big question, it can also apply to us in our faith. Have you ever asked yourself the question, am I on the right path as a Christian? Am I really doing what God wants me to do with my life? When it comes to being a lifelong disciple, how do you know whether you're on the right path or have you headed down the black diamond club members run in life? Well, here at Pitt Town, uh, we've been going through our Vital Signs series, uh, which is all about being faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. And so far, we've looked at being faithful followers. We've talked about being gospel spreaders. And uh, recently, we've come to our Vital Sign, which is all about being people who prayerfully gather around God's Word. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to be focusing in on what's so important about gathering around God's Word. And we're going to look at that passage that was just read for us, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 to 17. Uh, feel free to have it open in front of you because in that passage, we will see that in Scripture, God has given us everything that we need to live for Him. Before we uh, jump deeper into the text, I thought I'd give you a little bit of background about what's been going on in the book of 2 Timothy and what the Apostle Paul has been saying to his student Timothy. Uh, because in this letter, Paul has been, it's as if he is passing on the baton of his ministry to Timothy. Paul knows that his time is coming to an end. He says in chapter 4, verse 6, the time of my departure is close. Not long after writing this letter, Paul will be killed for his faith in prison. And so he's passing on the baton to Timothy, encouraging him to fan into flames the gift that God has given him and urging him to hold on to the one true faith and preparing him as well for the hard times that are coming up. Now, there are many themes that appear throughout this letter, but there are two big ones that keep reoccurring. And the first one is Paul is reminding Timothy to look back, to look back at what he has learned and those that he has taught him, those that have taught him. Multiple times, Paul repeats this language of remembering. He says it there in chapter 1, verse 6, Therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift, that God, uh, the gift of God that is in you. Chapter 2, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David. And again in chapter 2, verse 14, Remind them of these things. Remembering is a big theme in this letter. And there's another big theme uh, that Paul continues to use, which is looking forward. In this letter, Paul warns Timothy that there are hard times that are coming. In fact, in the section that immediately precedes the passage we read this morning, at the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says this, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. Paul is warning Timothy to look forward, 
to be prepared because there are hard times coming. These hard times included the threat from false teachers within the church that were distorting the truth, as well as the threat of people outside of the church that were persecuting Christians, seeking to kill them. Both of these groups were seeking to stop the spread of the gospel. And so in our passage today, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17, it sits just after Paul's warnings to Timothy about the false teachers. And now Paul turns to Timothy and he is teaching him on how he is to be different, how he is to stand out from the false teachers. In fact, three times Paul repeats the phrase, but you, highlighting that Timothy is to be different. He says it in chapter 3, verse 10, but you have followed my teaching. Chapter 3, verse 14, but as for you, continue. And again, it happens in chapter 4, verse 5, but as for you, exercise self-control. And in today's passage, we get the two first, but you's that appear in Paul's letter that explain how Timothy is to be different from those that are distorting the truth, how Timothy is to be different from those that are false teachers. He starts his first but you in verse 10, and he says, but you, you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Remember that one of the big themes in this letter is remembering. And here, Paul is telling Timothy to remember, to look back at the time they spent together walking around on a missionary journey, literally step by step following each other as they planted churches and spread the gospel and preached. And so here, Paul is reminding Timothy, remember the things that we did together. Remember Paul's apostolic ministry. Paul's self-sacrificial ministry was a stark contrast to the false teachers who were lovers of self. We're told, actually, at the beginning of chapter 3, that those false teachers are lovers of self, lovers of money, and they're proud. But Timothy is to be different. And so the first thing Timothy is told to do is remember what Paul has taught him. Remember the apostolic example that he set for him. It's at this point... uh, I I sat there reading this and I imagined putting myself in Timothy's shoes. I kind of was thinking, what would it feel like? Talk about big shoes to fill from Paul the Apostle handing on the baton of ministry. I mean, uh, for a while they were walking around together, doing everything together, the master and the apprentice, but now, well, they've been separated. We're told that Paul is in prison and we know that he's going to die there. He's no longer with Timothy. Timothy has to carry things on alone. And so what's he going to do? How's he going to go forward? It reminded me a little bit, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when you start a new job and for the first couple of days, everything is really good because you've got someone there training you, telling you what to do. And the best part is there's a few days where no one expects anything of you because you have no idea what you're doing. You just sit there and do what you're told. I love that feeling. But there always comes a time, it might be after a few days, it might be after a few weeks, but there comes a point when the person teaching you sort of steps back and disappears and all of a sudden you realise now it's up to you. You're the one that's responsible. You're the one that has to press the buttons or make the things or teach the children. How do you know what to do? 
How do you know how to go forward? What steps do you take? Well, Paul follows up with Timothy with another but you in chapter 3, verse 14. And this time it's a command for the future, for how to go forward. Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures. Timothy is to continue in what he has learned and believed. And what has he learned and believed? It's the scriptures. Paul says, continue, go forward in scripture. Endure in scripture. So what's so special about this scripture? We're big on scripture here at Pitt Town. It's a part of our DNA. In fact, it's why our vital sign says that we're people that prayerfully gather around God's word. Do you notice we don't gather around a fun community? We don't gather around nice buildings or good singing. We don't gather around friendly staff. We don't even gather around good preaching. What we gather around, what we continue in, endure in, is scripture. But why? Well, Paul gives Timothy two reasons why it's so important to continue in Scripture, why it is vital for the success of his ministry. Firstly, he says this, it is able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So why is Scripture important? It's important because all of it from start to finish is one big story about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The whole Bible All of it teaches us about faith in Jesus. This has always been God's plan. This is not some plan B. It's not a bit that God just tacked on to the end, but we're told since the very beginning, God's plan has been salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So if we don't start with Scripture being God's way of revealing salvation through faith in Christ to us, then we are guaranteed to be on the wrong path. If we don't start with salvation through faith in Christ, not only are we on the wrong path, we may as well be on the wrong mountain or the wrong planet. If we are not focusing on salvation through faith in Christ, we are on the wrong path. In fact, the Bible teaches us that those who aren't on the path with Jesus, those who are on the wrong path, that path ultimately leads to destruction. So firstly, why is scripture so important? Because through it, God has given us all that we need for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to know if you're on the right path, you need to start by being on the Jesus path. Then the second thing that Paul says is so important about scripture is in verse 16. He says this, that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For many centuries, uh, theologians have been captivated by this idea that scripture is inspired by God. Another way of saying this is that it has been breathed out by God. And the reason that this is so captivating is because it means that All of the Bible, all 66 books, even though it was uh, written by different authors over hundreds of years, all of it is God's word to his people. 
The Bible isn't just a nice collection of fun stories. It's not just another book. It's not some wise sayings. But we are told that all of it is God's words breathed out to his people. Now, if that's not a motivation for you to take reading your Bible seriously, I'm not sure what is. These are God's words to us. However, I've noticed often when people talk about uh, God's word being inspired, being breathed out, they go, wow, that's amazing, which it is. But then they stop there. They end the conversation. But do you notice here in the passage, that's not where Paul stops. He keeps going. The sentence isn't finished. He says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul says that the inspiration of Scripture, God's words breathed out to us, has a purpose. And that purpose is to equip to equip us for every good work. Paul says that Scripture is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And just as a little sidebar about how cool Scripture is, I just thought I'd point out to you, these are actually two pairs of couplets that Paul has put together. And and in doing so, they create a fence sort of around our minds and around the way that we live. What I mean by this is that Paul says that by teaching, he means that Scripture actively adds to our thoughts, our, our good thoughts and knowledge about God. It's like adding in new information, and that's paired with rebuking, which is like uh, correcting our misunderstandings, taking away all of our bad thoughts and misunderstandings about God. An example of this, uh, it's kind of a little bit like changing the oil in your car. I have to confess, I have never changed the oil in my car before. Uh, I let the mechanic do it. I have no idea how to do it, Uh, but the theory My dad lectured me on the theory lots of times. So I know the idea, but I wouldn't know where to start if I was doing it myself. But the theory of changing your oil is that you don't just pour in new clean oil, but at the same time, you also need to drain out the old dirty oil from your car. And that's a little bit like what Paul is saying here, that scripture is able to teach us new thoughts, good things about God. It's like adding in the clean oil into the car. But at the same time, It also rebukes and corrects our wrong thoughts about God, like draining out all the bad, dirty oil. We're told in this process, it's the same thing for correcting and training in righteousness, but this time that applies to how we live. The Bible trains us positively how to live for God, but at the same time, it also corrects our mistakes. And so this little couplet, these pairs here, they teach us that all of Scripture is able to completely transform both our thoughts and how we live so that we are fully equipped to do every good work. It will change our hearts, it will change our minds, and it will change what we do. At this point, I wonder how often when you read your Bible do you ask yourself those questions? How often do you ask yourself, what is this passage teaching or rebuking what I think about God? How often do you ask yourself the question, how is this training me to be more righteous? What actions might I need to change because of what this passage has said to me? 
That might be a really interesting rubric to include in your Bible reading. How is this changing what you think? And how is this changing what you do? That you might live a more righteous and holy life for God. Because Paul says, all of scripture is God breathed. Therefore, all of it is profitable. Every part can change how we think and act. So when it comes to living a holy and righteous life for God, every answer that we could ever need has been revealed to us by God in his word. In his word, God has given us all that we need to live for him. And so when we ask why is scripture important? Well, not only is it able to put us on the right path by salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, but it also guides us every step of the way. The whole Christian life from start to finish is able to be transformed by God through his word. That's why Paul commands Timothy so emphatically continue in scripture, endure in scripture, because in it, God has given us all that we need to live for him. So if you want to know how to live for God, if you want to know how to endure in your ministry, if you want to know how to be a faithful, lifelong disciple, you need to be rooted in God's word. So how do you know if you're on the right path? How do you know what choices to make in order to faithfully live out the life that God has called you to? The answer that God has given us is in his scripture because in his word, he has given us all that we need for salvation and for godly living. But at this point, you might think, but what about life's tough questions? What about the things the Bible doesn't seem to say anything about? You know, like what job should I take? Should I be a teacher or a dentist? What about what car should I buy, a Toyota or a Hyundai? Or where should I live, Pitt Town or Box Hill? The Bible doesn't seem to say anything about Pitt Town. What about renovating the bathroom? Do I get the white tiles or do I get the off-white tiles? What do you do when God seems like he's being silent, when he doesn't say anything about how to renovate your bathroom? In his word, God reveals to us his priorities. And we see that the first priority, the most important question that you could ever ask yourself, more important than what car you buy, more important than what suburb you live in, is have you been saved by Jesus? Because if you can't answer that question, then I promise you none of these other things matter. The most important thing you can ask is am I on the Jesus path? Have I been saved by faith in Christ? And if you're here today or you're online and you're still not really sure about what you think about Jesus, uh, can I encourage you that the Bible would be a great place to start because in it, it contains wisdom for eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, if you're not sure where to start, let me encourage you that the Gospel of Mark would be a fantastic place for you to begin. In it uh, is the story of Jesus' life. That would be a great thing for you to read. Let me point you to Scripture. Being on the Jesus path is the first priority. But what if you're already a Christian? Then what car should you buy? Because you're right, the Bible doesn't say anything about Pitt Town and Box Hill. It doesn't talk about what colour tiles to buy. What it does say 
is that by reading Scripture, you will be fully equipped to live the life that God has called you to. We are fully equipped to live for Him. When you read the Bible, it transforms your priorities to become more like God's priorities so that you will love the things that He will love. It's not some magic eight ball that you shake and it will give you the exact answer to every question. But instead, it's more like a lens through which you can now see every decision you make and it now becomes about God's priorities. The question becomes, how can I be the most godly in this situation? What is the most godly choice? And if you want to know about how to make the most godly choice, then the Bible is literally full of advice on how to live a godly life. Because God has promised us in his word, he has given us all that we need to live for him. So how do you know if you're on the right path? Well, first, have you been saved by Jesus? Second, are you being actively transformed by his word? because he has promised to give us all that we need to live for him so that in every situation, in all situations, we can make the godly choice. This is why, as a church, we need to continue to read God's word, to love God's word, and to faithfully live out God's word. Let me pray that he would help us do that. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for revealing yourself to us through your scriptures. I thank you that because of your son, Jesus Christ, uh, we can have new life, eternal life. Father, I also pray that you would equip us and help us to live our lives for you, that you would help us to live godly lives that bring you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.